Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in Steelers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mark Bergen, joined as always by two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ike Taylor. And Ike, we are just about a week away from the NFL draft. Right. Right. You know what? We've been watching tape. We've been talking about watching tape. I know you've been doing your study and a little bit of your research. Me as well. And I just came to the conclusion, especially on the defensive side. I know everybody been talking about Chase Young. Mark, this guy named Derek Brown from Auburn. Hands down, by far, the most violent, the best hand usage, the most instinctive <laughs> guy on the defense. And we, and I, I would like to say, I always talk about building your house from the ground up, like Tampa Bay, the Pittsburgh Steelers, even a young Tom Brady when he wasn't Tom Brady of late, when he had Richard Seymour, when he had that fire front seven. They had nothing but first-rounders on that D-line when Tom Brady first started. When we was winning Super Bowls, we had nothing but first-rounders in that top seven, that front seven. Derrick Brown. Watching tape on Derrick Brown. I was like, man, I love Chase Young. I love that he looks. He looks freakish. I love he's a – to me, he, he's a bigger Javon curse. I don't know if people understand and know Javon Curse from Tennessee Titans. Javon Curse was a freak of nature. He's a bigger Javon Curse. But Derrick Brown, <laughs> Derrick Brown, like Richard Seymour and Aaron Donald mixed. All right, you heard it here first. And he is the SEC Defensive Player of the Year, who tend to bode that. well in the league, in the NFL. Ike, before we break down the full draft overall, we're going to go over how the Steelers' picks break down. So Pittsburgh okay. has a second-round pick, a third-round pick, two-fourths, a sixth, and a seventh-round pick. At pick 49, Ike, I want to start here. Mel Kuyper Jr. has the Steelers drafting Jalen Hurts 49th. And he would be the Steelers' highest-drafted quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger was picked 11th in 2004. If Jalen Hurts is there at 49, because remember the Steelers don't have a first rounder with the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. If Hurts is there at 49, do you think the Steelers will pick him? I think they should. I think you know what you're getting. I think Coach Randy would know what to do with a, you know, a scrambling quarterback. I think Coach Randy, the, the OC for the Pittsburgh Steelers, will understand, like, this generation of football is, 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 is moving when it comes down to that quarterback position, meaning, you know, Ben is not a statue, which is good, but Ben is getting up there in age. Uh, ben has been hurt of late. Um, sitting behind Ben for a year ain't bad. Ben sat, saw what he did. Aaron Rodgers sat, he saw what he did. Eli Manning sat, he saw what he did. Tom Brady sat, he saw what he did. So all these quarterbacks, I'm talking about sitting. Mahomes too. Mahomes sat after Alex Smith. You saw what he did. So, like you say, Mark, nothing wrong with sitting a year, especially it's 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 like cooking gumbo. I don't know if people really understand what gumbo is or how you like to 
how you make gumbo, you gotta marinate, you gotta let that thing sit for a while. And it, it tastes better when you just slow cook it. And nothing wrong with slow cooking a quarterback. You know, I think this day and era, this day and era, people just want it right now, right now, right now, right now. But you don't have franchises. You don't win Super Bowls after Super Bowls by trying to win a 400 meter with a 100 yard mindset. That's not going to work. It's a process. You got to build up to it. So, and once you get it, then it's it's whatever. You're going to win consistently. So, ain't nothing wrong with these quarterbacks sitting. That's, that's what I'm saying, Mark. So, you know, I think Jalen Hurts would be a good pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers sitting on the band. And it, it's, it's tough just coming in and trying to start. It's tough, man. Just, it's a lot, man. You, you, you really are the CEO. So, you have to be, you have to stop being a kid to a real life grown up when you come in your first year and try to start. And that's hard to tell a kid to try to do that. You know what I'm saying? So, ain't nothing wrong with sitting, ain't nothing wrong with adjusting, just letting quarterbacks, especially at that position, what it is to be a professional quarterback, what it means to be a professional quarterback, how you should be a professional quarterback. And it's really not on the field. A lot of it has to do with off the field. Off the field is very important and very key for a quarterback. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of lonely nights for the quarterback because you can't be. I can be seen in public. I can be wilding out. I want nothing but a cornerback. But for a quarterback, people look at quarterbacks different. People look at quarterbacks as CEOs of companies, and that's what these young guys got to understand. But Jalen Hurts, I think he would fit in perfect. You know, just sitting a year with young talent, especially in the, in the backfield. They wind up getting another tight end, another young tight end to go advance. You got some young receivers. You probably draft another young receiver. The offensive line ain't bad. You probably pick up another lineman or two. Yeah, you got a good defense. So I wouldn't see that. But it, it's about that time. Like, it's about that time. So you, you got to give props. And Ben will be a Hall of Famer. You got to give props to everything Seven has done for the organization, for the city. Uh, for me as well, you know, and I wouldn't – there was only one kind of quarterback back from play in that city, and Seven did it. It was it was Bradshaw and it was Seven, Ben Roethlisberger. But other than that, you might as well go on groom Jalen. He's going to be 38 years old this upcoming season, and so he's got a lot to play for, making $30-plus million a year coming off that elbow surgery in his throwing elbow as well. He is the favorite to be the comeback player of the year in the NFL. At the same time, he's 38 years old. This isn't going to last forever. So what is your plan in the future, five, 10 years from now, who could potentially be the guy? And we'd seen flashes from Mason Rudolph. I'm not really sure. I'm Even despite the injuries that the Steelers had last year, I'm not sure he'd be the answer long-term. Duck Hodges, how can you really expect that from a guy who was undrafted? Not that he couldn't develop maybe into a nice backup, but I don't think he's the long-term answer either. So this is something that the Steelers are going to have to think about either in this draft or you'd imagine in next year's draft. Now, the Steelers still have plenty of other needs too, and I think running back is one of them. I've seen a lot of mock drafts where the Steelers have 
targeted Wisconsin running back Jonathan Taylor. The Steelers need someone to compliment James Conner because when he's healthy, Conner is a very, very good running back. At the same time, he's in a contract season, the final year of his rookie deal. So the Steelers are going to have to decide, are you going to bring James Conner back beyond this season, but also bring in another running back to help lighten the load? It will actually keep Conner healthier, probably make him more productive in some competition in the backfield, I think ultimately would be a good thing for the Steelers offense. Yeah, it's hard to find a running back that can just carry the load for their whole career. And you can look at Zeke and Zeke coming up on his fifth year and you can tell his tires are starting to tread a little bit. And what I've noticed is tapping that helmet. When you see guys tapping that helmet, that means I need to breathe I need to get out. Uh, James Conner, when he's healthy, he's a pro Bowl running back. That's, that's just what it is. When he's healthy, he's a Pro Bowl running back. How healthy can he be from here on out is the question. So you said it right, MB. You need to compliment James Conner by getting a younger stud running back. Take the load off. Uh, 10, maybe 12 snaps. Um, just to give him a breather. Just so his load won't be so hard throughout the season. And I think James is out of time, Conner I'm talking about. James Conner is at a time and is at a place right now in his mind that he's been in the league long enough to understand like a breather is good. You know, you can be naive and you can have a big ego when you're young because you want the load. You want to prove a lot of people wrong, but at the same time, you got to think as a running back, you got 11 people trying to hit you. You got 11. Between a quarterback and a running back, you got 11 guys trying to hit you. If you play receiver, you know, you got safeties, a linebacker, and a corner. That's three guys maybe trying to hit you but as a running back you got all 11 trying to hit you so I think James has matured mentally just my opinion and understanding you know I don't have to carry all the load I just need to show out in big moments now the Steelers also have a couple of other needs wide receiver I think they could get one in this year's draft too offensive line linebacker we mentioned the backup quarterback as well Ike with some of the Steelers' other draft picks, we know they've got that second rounder, the 49th pick. In the third round, the two fourth round picks that they have too, is there a guy that you could you think might be a fit for this team in the later rounds of the draft? So I think the Steelers should go O-line second round. I think the Steelers should go quarterback third round. I think between the two fourth round draft picks, the Steelers should get a receiver out one to two, a linebacker and a receiver. So um, I'm just big on I'm just big on my mindset on building a house. And I always like to build it from the ground up. You know what I'm saying? So if I can get an extra guy or if there's an offensive lineman sitting at the point ninth pick that I know that can help protect Ben and maybe future or uh, whoever the quarterback may be, if you get him in the third round, I'm going to go for it. Now, if Jalen Hurts is sitting there in the second round, I got to look at my draft board and see, do I have Jalen Hurts over offensive lineman? Then, of course, I'm going to take him. But if I don't, I'm going to go ahead and get the offensive lineman because I know for sure whoever my quarterback is going to be in the near future, he's going to have either a solid, a pro bowl, or a future Hall of Fame at the offensive line. My third pick would be a quarterback. My third, my third round would be a quarterback. I really wouldn't trip too much on the running backs because I feel like they got two running backs. Especially right now, they just haven't had the chance. And I think – Ben, if he's healthy, he will open up a lot of running lanes for a lot of people because he's still able to scramble, you know. So I think you can adjust to that. 
you know. So they they, they three deep with with they three deep on a running back position. It's just it's hard when you can just load the box and you got Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. It's hard to run the ball, you know, because you're still waiting on young receivers to develop and do what they need to do. So when you get Big Ben back, man, it's just it's it's opening up the whole offense. So you mentioned a quarterback in the third round. Hertz could still be there in the third round. He's projected to either go in the second or the third if you look at the odds. Another guy, maybe George's Jake Fromm. You just kind of ask yourself the question, which guy at the quarterback position would potentially be there in round three or beyond that? Who would be worth a selection? In round three, I'm taking Jalen. I'm taking okay. Jalen If, if Jalen's still there in round three, yeah, okay, if, okay. If, if, if Jalen is still there, if I don't have a legit offensive lineman that I really like, I'll take Jalen in second. But if Jalen keeps you. slipping, if he keeps slipping down to the third, I feel like that's a steal. You know, I'm going to feel like because people forget about Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's crazy. People forget about what round Russell Wilson went in. Um, Russell went in the third round. You know, so – you can always still, and I look at, I look at, he's the, he's the same build. He's the same build. He's built just like Russell Wilson. Um, he's been in bigger games from a college standpoint than Russell Wilson. You can still develop him into what you want as an offensive coordinator if you need to. And you got a defense. You know, you got some young guys on defense. You got some guys in their prime. You got some seasoned veterans. When you want to talk about Joe Hayden and company. So, it's a good recipe. It's a good situation if you want to draft a quarterback in the second or third round right now because of your defense in Pittsburgh. Ike, we'll take a quick break here. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. You wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune, or you can get Simply Safe, the two time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your home in safety. There are outdoor cameras and doorbells to alert you to anyone approaching. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard the inside, and you can set up the system all by yourself, and it takes only 30 minutes. Go to simplysafe.com team today, and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com team. That's simplysafe.com team. From Simply Safe and all of us here, wishing you safety and good health. Ike, I want to shut one thing down immediately before anyone else brings this up. And I don't think anyone's this dumb to, to think this way. But the Steelers not having a first-round pick for the trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. You take all pro production from a defensive back. I don't want to hear anyone out there saying, oh, Minka isn't worth it. The team only went 8-8. Eight and eight. I want to stop the nonsense now. If you had a first-round pick who was an all-pro player at his position, you would take that time and time and time again. And Fitzpatrick is also under contract through at least 2021. So anyone out there who's like, oh, well, this doesn't actually lead to any wins, yes, it does. He was an absolute stud last season for the Steelers. And Ike, how many times it seemed like we were a broken record week after week talking about his contributions on the field, helping the team win week in and week out. 
the team would not have gone 500 last year if not for Minka Fitzpatrick. So I just want to make sure that we make that abundantly clear because if the team struggles at all this upcoming season, I think you're going to have the people out there where hindsight is 2020 and they would say, oh, well, was this trade actually worth it? The answer is yes. You would make this trade 10 times out of 10 over again. It's rare you hit the lotto. I don't care how many times you play the lotto, it's going to be rare somebody hits the lotto. When Pittsburgh traded that first round draft pick for Minka Fitzpatrick, they hit the lotto. As soon as Minka stepped into the building, they hit the lotto. As soon as Minka Fitzpatrick stepped onto the field, they hit the lotto. It was instant production. There was no hesitation. He's a guy that you want. He's a stealer. He didn't get drafted from the Steelers, but you can just tell the Steelers. He's a film room junkie. He doesn't like to go out. All he do is eat, breathe, and sleep football. And you saw when he got on the field, it just carried over. Now, he went from Miami to Pittsburgh. And that just lets you know how good the front office is doing. But then you got a guy from Miami who played okay, but then you send him to Pittsburgh and he's an all-pro, pro bowl safety. Yeah, that's just that's just how it is in Pittsburgh. But that first round draft pick was everything you wanted to be. You couldn't ask for a better pick than Mika Fitzpatrick giving up that first round draft pick. Not to mention at the 18th overall pick, I think with Minka Fitzpatrick on-field production, you would trade a top five pick for a guy like that if he played like he did in 2019. There's only a few guys who are different and special, especially at the safety position. And one of them is Minka. You know, and how I like to judge guys, I like to hear what other players from other teams got to say about them. And every time you mention the Pittsburgh still a defense, somebody is saying something about Minka Fitzpatrick, which was good. So they just opened my eyes and let me know, like, okay, these guys from the offensive side who's playing against Mika Fitzpatrick, they ain't doing nothing but watching tape. So when you watch the tape as an offensive coordinator, when you watch the tape as an offensive lineman, when you watch the tape as an OC, you want to know what Mika Fitzpatrick is. And when you want to know what a certain guy is because you know how much of a threat he can be to the offense, that's saying a lot about that guy, and that's Mika Fitzpatrick. No question there. So again, the Steelers with a second round pick at number 49, they could make a trade to trade up. I can't imagine that that will happen, but we'll see how it goes between now and April 23rd when the first round of the draft gets underway. Ike, you mentioned Derek Brown at the top of the show as an absolute game wrecker as your top defender, you know, even up there with Chase Young out of Ohio State. The Lions at number three. So just how the way that this draft is broken down. Many people think that that the Bengals are going to pick Joe Burrow, the quarterback out of LSU, at the top pick. And then it seems that like Chase Young is penciled in for the second pick with the Washington Redskins. If you're the Lions at three, what are you doing with that? I'm getting Derek Brown. Wow, okay. I'm I'm, I'm getting – I'm getting – I think Derek Brown is the best player – the best player in the draft. Now, was it the game film that you watched? What was it, it that? It, he, he just, he just, when you're just too dominant in the SEC, just too, too dominant. And there's no such thing as too dominant. When you're just dominant as hell in the SEC and game in, game out, 
that defense started with Doug Brown. From Alabama's to the LSU's, like, whenever the defense made a play, it started with DB, Derrick Brown. And when you see his hand usage, he's a good mix between old and new school. He got real good hands, but he's very violent at the point of attack. Very violent. Very violent. When he tackles you, everything is bad intentions. Ain't nothing good about it. And it's hard to play defensive line in the SEC and dominate because usually in the SEC, you have a few offensive linemen that's going first round, Alabama. Right? So, and he dominated the Alabama game. So that just that just let me know how verified and how certified he was in a defensive tackle. Derrick Brown, when I when I popped in the tape of Derrick Brown, Mark, I was like, and this is no disrespect to Chase Young, no whatsoever. I get the look. To Damian Clowney, he, I mean Javar Curry to Damian Clowney, like I get all that. But by the end of the day, you got a grown man mixed with Aaron Donald. And uh, let's say a Vince Walker. When you got it, when you when you got a guy mixed like that, and who is that dominant in the dominant SEC? Hey, Mark, I was like, what the hell? I was waiting on. Why the hell I ain't see this? Like, I'm watching too much TV. <laughs> I'm popping in Derek Brown. Like, he really is a grown man. But then how athletic he is. You see the man catch interceptions. You see the man get fumble recoveries. You see how the man takes off. You see him hopping over offensive linemen when he gets the fumble. Like I'm like, man, this this man really is a grown, a grown ass man. MB. So I say, you know what? I ain't even going out on the limb. I'm just go with my gut feeling. Derrick Brown is the best defensive player in the draft of 2020. And when have you ever heard a defensive tackle win defensive? Conference right. Player of the Year in All the right. SEC. No. Add on this as well. In the SEC West, which is much stronger than the SEC East. Mm -hmm. West, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Mississippi. In the East, you've got Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Missouri. So you're talking about the side of the division that's much, much more competitive than the, than the other side. The SEC West tends to be much more dominant than the East. So if you're Detroit, you're going with Derrick Brown at three. Just, just hearing you talk about this, Ike, and just looking at it, and again, when was the last time a defensive tackle won SEC defensive, defensive player of the year? I can't recall off the top of my head. I can't. Don't, so, don't, forget, don't forget sitting at three, Mark. Matt Patricia at Detroit, he, he supposedly is supposed to be defensive-minded, right? You put that in air quotes because he's 9-22-1 in two seasons as a head coach. That's what, it's not looking good. It's not, <laughs> Mark, it's not looking good for Matt. <laughs> Matt, might and, need, Matt might need to go back to New England. It's not looking good for him right now. Well, Detroit but, also uh, needs a corner, too, because the Lions traded Darius Slade to the Eagles. There's plenty of corners. If... I can get an okay corner if I get Derek Brown and he's going to get to the quarterback. I can't get a Hall of Fame corner and he got a couple for eight seconds because we can't get to the quarterback. So I might as well go Derek Brown first. And speaking of corners, man, they got a, they got a boatload of corners sitting here. So 
we can get corners all day. Right now, I'm not in a rush to get a corner, man. I got to build this house from the ground up. I need a good foundation, Mark. So I'm going to go ahead and get Derek Brown. Gotcha. Ike, let's stay on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, so you've got Brown, Chase Young's also up there. What other defensive player do you like in this draft? Ooh, I'm so glad you asked me. Damn it, Mark, I'm so glad you asked me. I'm looking at the safety position. And they got a kid, Antoine Winfield Jr. His dad played for Minnesota at cornerback. And I used to love his dad because all his dad wanted to do was smack people in the face at a small 5'9". Antoine Winfield. That's all Antoine Winfield wanted to do was hit at a violent, with a violent attitude. So I'm looking at a son and son play safety. So what I wrote down for Antoine Winfield Jr. was when the ball is in the air at his size, because he's still short, he never panics. All he do is catch picks and interceptions. So then I started looking some more into Antoine Winfield Jr. MB. And I said, dang, the man catch punts as well. So when you have a defensive back like an Adam Patman Jones or, De or Darrell Revis or a Patrick Peterson, a guy who can not only lock down, but you can still keep him on the field and they, they can be just as special catching punts. So when I saw Antoine Winfield catching punts, I said, he's just versatile. He can pretty much do it all. So my personal opinion, this might be one of my sleepers at the safety position. You know, I know they're talking about Xavier McKinley, and Xavier McKinley, he's a dog. You can tell he's a film junkie. A young guy coming up from Lenore, Ryan, Cal Duggar, he's a, he's a process, he's a project. I feel like he's like me. He, he needs a little work a year or two. But Antoine Winfield, you can just tell, like, his, just growing up and my dad being a professional football player, everything carried over. And when I see a guy who can blitz, when I see a guy who can cover, when I see a guy who can hit, when I see a guy who can catch punts, that's rare. And that's what Antoine Winfield can do. But I just nod my head to Antoine Winfield, his dad, because I was a huge fan of his. But usually, usually your son don't be like you or be less than you because they always – say who your son is after a professional athlete, they usually be spoon-fed. You know, they had a good life. They, their work ethic really isn't hard. They don't want it as much as their dad did because their dad usually came from a situation that was a hard situation. When I look at Antoine Winfield Jr., his mindset is like his dad. I come from nothing. I have nothing. I have everything, but I'm not going to let that dictate to what the heck I want to do. I'm not going to let that dictate to my resume and what I put on tape. And he's my ultimate sleeper for the draft. A guy who might be a good fit for a team in day two, for sure. Day two, the second and third rounds of the draft. And then four through seven will be on Sunday. So Winfield, out of the University of Minnesota, had a really impressive 2019. Seven interceptions as well. 83 tackles. I like that sleeper pick, Ike. And it just... With a guy like that, it just kind of depends on the fit of the team that he goes to on the offensive side of the ball. Joe Burrow, expected to be the top overall pick. Who do you like offensively who will go near the top of this draft? The guy you just said, like Joe Burrow. Like there's, like Joe Burrow should be the first pick on the offensive side. Just watching the, the tape and the games he played, just how he handled the ball. So Joe Burrow is a... Alex Smith slash Tom Brady, meaning he can run, 
He's athletic like an Alex Smith. He's cool in the pocket, and he protects the ball like a Tom Brady. So when I saw that, then you watch then you watch the bowl games, then you watch the SEC, then you watch how you handle pressure. Like, Joe Burrow, from that picture of him smoking a cigar, that's his personality. He's just a cool, nothing really fazed me kind of quarterback. And that's what you want sitting back there. You want a, you want a quarterback who never panics at all and looks at every situation as a good situation, even if you think it's a bad situation. And just seeing what he did, like he wound up transferring. And we always talked about LSU having receivers but no quarterback. We've been talking about that for years. LSU always got first, second round receivers, great talent, but they really don't have a quarterback. Now you mess around and get Joe Cool, and you see what Joe Cool can do. So Joe Cool was Joe Cool in pretty much every situation. Joe Cool put up numbers in college. Joe Cool went on biggest stages was Joe Cool. Joe Cool was that guy when he came to the sideline after going touchdowns, like everybody gathered to Joe Cool. Like, and that's my whole thing. The sideline to tell you all the stories. Like it's cool what Joe Cool did on the field. You can't take that away from him. Historically, he probably had one of the best, one of the best seasons you can have as a quarterback. Okay, let me see what his teammates think about him, because that's how you got to go on the field with. And when you saw the defensive players dapping him up, and when you saw the coaches dapping him up, and when you saw him doing special handshakes with his running back and with the receivers, when you saw him doing special handshakes with his offensive line, you're like, okay, he's the ultimate team player. He's the real deal. Because by the end of the day, coach is not going to be on the field. Parents not going to be on the field. Boots is not going to be on the field. Owners not going to be on the field. I need a guy who can control and everybody trusts. And that's Joe Cool, that CEO. Take another quick break. The perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. And the only place to find the perfect hire is on LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has more than 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and get the first $50 off. Just go to linkedin.com slash team. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Ike, I think at four, the Giants will go with a tackle, and there are four. You've got Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, Alabama's Jadrick Wills, Georgia's Andrew Thomas, and Louisville's McKee Becton. And there, I think you can stabilize one of the tackle positions, either right tackle or left tackle for the Giants with Daniel Jones, a young quarterback there, and then also to establish the ground game with Saquon Barkley. So it's really a matter of who you like there. And I will say this too, with both Wirfs and Wills, they both played right tackle primarily in college. So if you're the Giants, you kind of have to decide who you want if you want specifically a left tackle, are you going to be getting someone who's capable of playing that? Or if you just want one or the other and you can move someone else around to that blindside spot, I think that would make a lot of sense for the Giants there. I think then at five, the Dolphins have a dilemma because, you know, before Tua Tagovailoa got hurt, you heard the tank for Tua. But I think the Dolphins ultimately have a decision here to make. Do you draft Tua or do you go after Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert? 
it's clear the Dolphins need a quarterback. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be the answer long-term there. Do either of these two guys stick out to you at all if you're the Dolphins? If I'm the Dolphins, I'm picking Justin Herbert. And the reason why I'm picking Justin Herbert is because I can mold him to what I want him to be. There is no rush. I mean, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's been sitting for a long time, I call him Peter Pan. At the same, at the same time, you know, he still knows how to be a professional. He can give you six to eight games max on winning ball games. So if you feel like you do need to put in your rookie, it can be late. Or if you feel like your rookie is competing better, then Ryan Fitzpatrick, you can go and on stall him early. I'm going with Justin because Justin hasn't been injury prone. And this is no knock to tour. No knock to tour at all. I've always said, man, if a guy's been injured, and it's always been proven. If a guy's been injured in college, he's been injured in the league. That's just how it is. Like, it, it just takes a toll. And you can talk about a rule change and all that. That's not what it is. It's a proven fact. If you're injured in college, you're going to be injured in the league. That's just how it goes. So with Justin, I'm going to go on and take Justin. On. From Justin's standpoint, yeah, you're going to look at it. He's all the way up top, north, left coast. Nobody really knows nothing up there in Oregon. But at the same time, he came through in the bowl game. He was very clutch. Um, and he's very honest. You know, he's very honest. When you listen to his interviews, his interviews like, you know what, I, I, I was real nervous. Like, he, he admits to a lot of stuff people try to be tough about. But Justin is somebody you can work on. He's tall. He's rangy. He's very mo He's more mobile than what you think he is. So I think Coach, I think Miami will get a, a great deal with Justin instead of Tua. And there is no knock to Tua. I mean, Tua talent, what he can do when he's healthy, when he's healthy. And if I got to put out that I say when he's healthy, that's not a good thing. So that's just facts. That's just his resume. No knock on Tua. When he's healthy, he's hell. But the only problem is when is Tua ever healthy? So, yes, I'm going to go with Justin over Tua right now in the first round. Not to mention – whoever the Dolphins draft at quarterback, you're going to have to get a tackle to protect whoever they end up drafting. The Dolphins do have two other first-round picks in this draft as well. One other thing with Tua, too, coming out of Alabama, A.J. McCarron's been, like, the best Alabama quarterback in the league. It's not like this is, like, the program where you go and get a, where you go and get a quarterback. I mean, I went through this, Ike, before the show. Jalen Hurts is also going to get drafted at some point, and then he transferred to Oklahoma. But Blake Barnett, Jake Coker, Blake Sins, A.J. McCarron, Greg McElroy, John Parker Wilson, it's like the Alabama quarterback. I understand Alabama's program, how they get such elite talent, and they, they just kind of need their quarterback to be a game manager. But I will say this. I do think Tua has been better than those other guys and at least is more talented than those other guys that I just mentioned. But I think it's really interesting because the Dolphins are at five and then the Chargers are at six. The Chargers, yes, they have Tyrod Taylor, but it's almost as if he's a lame duck quarterback because you've got to be able to get a franchise quarterback and be able to market this team at the new SoFi Stadium as well. So I'm curious to see if either of these two teams, the Dolphins at five or the Chargers at six, jockey and maybe trade up with Detroit at that three spot to get the quarterback that they want. Why do you need to trade up? So if 
Herbert goes at five to the Dolphins and you're the Chargers, you would draft Tua then? What What are you saying? I'm not drafting Tua in the first round. I'm sorry. This is no not the Tua. I'm just going over past history. I'm not going to take a chance. I need somebody who's been durable. Like all, just think about it. Just think about it. All your Super Bowl quarterbacks have played and we didn't say if they was healthy in college. Think about it. There wasn't no if he was healthy in college. Super Bowl quarterbacks. So, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not about to do that. Now, maybe if Tua transferred from or he got in trouble and went from Alabama to a small college, then if he had the path as Russell Wilson did, okay, I understand why he went late. Because Russ was transferring from college to college to college. But at the same time, Mark, Super Bowl quarterbacks don't have what-ifs if they're healthy. Your Super Bowl quarterbacks don't do that if they're healthy. You know what you're getting. They've been healthy over the course of their career. You know exactly what you're looking for. I just need to get the pieces around them. Now, you had a good point earlier talking about Alabama quarterbacks, and I've been saying this for the longest. When you got number five stars, you got a five-star tight end. You got a five-star offensive lineman. You got a six-star running back crew. You got a seven-star receiver. They only go to five. So your, your running backs is six stars. Your receivers are seven stars. When you get to the league, ain't no stars. We all stars. So how can you adjust when you get there? And it's been hard for Alabama quarterbacks to adjust. All right, so at six then, you're the Chargers. If Herbert's off the board, I think if Herbert's there, Herbert's the pick for the Chargers there. But what do you do there at six then? At six? Jason Kenlaw from South Carolina, <laughs> another D tackle. You love your defensive guys, hey, but I hear you. Listen, he, and he grades so, he graded high. He graded really, really high. So I listen, I got you. Listen, we talk about all this offensive stuff during the regular season, fantasy football, and we had this conversation, Mark. What wins championships in the playoffs? Defense. So man, I'm looking at I'm looking at Jason Kidlow from South Carolina, and he's another dog. He's another dog. He's 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 another dog. He's foaming at the mouth. As soon as you let him off the leash, he be foaming at the mouth. You already got Bosa and Ingram as a good linebacker crew. You might as well put a young D tackle with him. You already got two studs at cornerback. Then you got Darren James sitting at the safety position. You might as well put the D-tackle to sit in the middle to do what he need to do. So Tyrod Taylor can be Tyrod Taylor. Now, who is Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor is a smaller version of Jalen Hurts. How? The reason why Tyrod Taylor is a smaller version of Jalen Hurts, and we're talking about managing games, there's nothing wrong with managing games. So now all, all Tyrod Taylor have to do is not turn the ball over. The same thing I asked a young Tom Brady to do when he had that fire defense. Tom, all I need is 17, maybe 21 points. You got a fire defense. Don't turn the ball over. I'm giving that same setup to Tyrod Taylor. Do we have a running back? Yes. We have a tight end, Hunter. Yes. We got receivers. Yes. Okay, we got a defense. 
Yes. You go on and put Jason Kinlaw sitting in that middle. I got action. I don't need to open up the playbook for Tyrod Taylor. There we go. There we go, Mark. Ike, I, I absolutely love this about you. You are like a steak and potatoes kind of guy. And here's what I mean by this, right? In an ideal world, you'd have the steak and the sizzle. In an ideal world. Some teams just have the sizzle and don't have the steak. You would rather have the steak and no sizzle than sizzle and no steak. So I like how it was like, okay, the Chargers are probably going to draft a quarterback at this spot. And I like how you're automatically audibling all of that. And, and you don't care. And, it's, and you lay out good reasons for it. I absolutely love that about you. But my thing is this, right? With the marketability of a brand new stadium out in Los Angeles. To me, you got to have a franchise quarterback on paper. Now, whether or not that makes football sense, I think you bring up great reasons in terms of how to actually build a team, something that you have experience in playing 12 years in the league with a team that won two Super Bowls in your tenure. Here's my point, Ike, is if the Chargers did draft a lineman here, media members would lose their mind. And it's so funny too, because we see all this happen every year with the draft where they'll give, and this is one of the stupidest things I think you'll see post-draft. You'll see how we're going to grade each of the teams literally like the day after the draft is open. You'll, you'll see this on the Monday after the draft. They'll grade each of the teams. We don't know. Like if we knew Tom Brady wouldn't have gone in the sixth round, right? Like we don't actually like, there's only so much we can do with the evaluation process. So I love how I'm like, okay, who are the Chargers going to take here? And you go completely in another direction, but you lay out your reasons for it. And it, think it, about makes, it. Sense. it makes sense. Think about it, Mark. And I want you to think about it as a professional athlete. So put your mind in my mind. A professional athlete don't give a what about a stadium. I need to show out, get paid, feed my family, hit my goals, go home, take care of my family. I don't care what kind of stadium it is. A stadium has nothing to do with production. So that's for colleges. Colleges build $100 million weight rooms and, and expand their stadiums. That's what colleges do. A professional athlete, I'm at the top. I'm at the top of the pyramid. I don't care what the stadium looks like. I don't care what the stadium looks like. The Raiders going into a new stadium, haven't won since when. The LA Chargers and the Rams going into a new stadium, haven't won since when. Pittsburgh Steelers have been sitting at that stadium since 2001 or 2002. Patriots been sitting at that stadium for a long time. So I'm trying to get you to think like an athlete. I don't care about a damn stadium selling jerseys. I don't care nothing about that. I got to handle my business if we playing on some cement on concrete in somebody's neighborhood. I still got to handle my business. Ain't got nothing to do with the stadium. And yeah, you're going to piss a lot of people off, which you should, but I got a job to do. I'm not here to satisfy. I'm here to make executive decisions. You know, people who get paid the most, they make the decisions people really don't like. People who don't get paid and get fired, they make all the decisions people like. All the decisions. So, no, nah, I don't think they should get a quarterback. I think they should get somebody on defense to go with their defense 
build around that defense and Tyrod Taylor. Next year, you can get your quarterback if you don't like what Tyrod Taylor do. But with a good defense, you can see a Tyrod Taylor growth and development been good. And Anthony Lynn, he's been dealing with Tyrod Taylor for the longest. He probably felt Tyrod Taylor never had a situation like this on the defensive side. And sometimes change is good. Just ask Drew Brees. We're forgetting about that. Drew Brees was in San Diego Chargers before he went to the New Orleans Saints. Change could be a lot. Coaches could be a lot. When you find a coach who's just all in with you, it's cool. Now I feel like with Anthony Lynn and Tyrod Taylor, Tyrod Taylor feel like my coach, my head coach is all in with me, plus I got a good defense. Okay, coach, I know what it takes to win championships. We don't talk about offenses when it comes to the playoffs. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Patrick Mahomes showed his tail. And what I mean by showed his tail, it's New Orleans talk. It's New Orleans slang. He balled out in the regular season. Man threw two picks in the Super Bowl. Didn't have a good Super Bowl at all. They won it off of defense. Tom Brady, when they beat the Atlanta Falcons, defense. Big Ben had the worst QBR rating in history. When they won in 2005, defense. So that's what I'm saying. You got to surround about defense. I get it. But, Mark, I'm not worrying about no stadium at all. If I want to win, I got to worry about how can I build my team. A stadium don't get me wins. A stadium, if I'm thinking like you, a stadium going to get me fired. Let me get the last word on this, yes, Ike, sir. and then we'll, we'll take another quick break for another ad read. Just to play devil's advocate with you, mm-hmm. for a listener out there who's like, Ike is absolutely crazy with this analogy. The Chargers need a quarterback here. One thing I do think you have to consider and a question you have to ask yourself is, well, then why was Tyrod Taylor backing up Phillip Rivers a year ago? And maybe it's just you've got to give Rivers to let him play out his contract with the Chargers with he did with everything that he accomplished there. Maybe that that's the short answer. That's something you got to ask yourself. Let's take a quick break. While you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have fun betting online at betonline.ag. There's no NBA, NHL, MLB, but you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Truth of the matter is there is. Betonline.ag has their online casino with poker and blackjack. And while sports aren't totally done, there's eSports, there's American Idol, there's Big Brother, the election, there is still fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. This is the portion of the program, Mike, where we're going to... Talk about your favorite position group, the wide receiver class. You've got Jerry Judy, you've got C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, you've got T. Higgins. Is there any of those guys that really stand out to you? All of them stand out. But Jerry Judy is something different. He'll look, he'll, he'll look a bit different. He's a little bit different because he's a good route runner. He's fast. Usually when you're fast, you're not a good route runner. When you're fast, you only got three routes in the route tree. You got to go, you got to post, you got to slant. That's it. Judy can run every route in the route tree. That's what makes him special. That's what makes him different. 
And when you see him catching deep balls, he catches deep balls with his hands. He don't body catch. That's what makes him different. Ruggs, on the other hand, if he gets into a situation like a Tyreek Hill and he finds an offensive coordinator that can use him like a Tyreek Hill, he's the next Tyreek Hill from Alabama. Ruggs, I'm talking about. C.C. Lamb ain't nothing but a DeAndre Hopkins. Point blank period, hands down. He, C.D. He's is unbelievable. Like C.C. is DeAndre Hopkins' cousin, brother-in-law, brother, kinfolk, as they would say, some way, somehow, just like him. So it's, this wide receiver class is deep. I think real deep. Um, I think you can't miss wherever you go. The three guys we just named, Mark, you can't miss on all three. It's just depending on the offense coordinator. If the offense coordinator is smart enough to know how to use each of these three guys, they're going to have success for a long time if they can stay healthy. But Jared Judy, by far, he's that guy. He can do it all. And the reason why he can do it all because usually you don't find guys too fast that can run every route in a route tree. When Ruggs ran a 4-2-7 in the 40, a lot of people were freaking out. And you look at some of the top receivers who have run fast 40-yard dashes at the NFL Combine. Jonathan Ross, 4-2-2. Jerome Mathis, 4-2-6. Marquise Goodwin, 4-2-7. Tyrone Calico, 4-2-7. J.J. Nelson, 4-2-8. Jacoby Ford, 4-2-8. A lot of people listening are going to be, who are those guys? And that's exactly my point of, a lot of the guys that wow at the combine and that run fast times at the combine, it doesn't actually translate over when you're in pads and when you're playing game in and game out. And so that, I think you bring up a great point with rugs in that sense, because yes, he runs an impressive 40, a sub four, three but how does that translate on the field? And if he goes to the right system, then you can use his speed, which is, a great asset for him as a receiver. Ike, we'll take one final break, and then I want to ask you about your NFL draft experience. Style is changing. Formal wear is out, and the T-shirt is in. True Classic Tees are my favorite. It's based in L.A. and a T-shirt company that's on the rise. The T-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash and are incredibly versatile. You can wear them out. You can wear them to work out and around the house, which is something we're all going to be doing for at least a few more weeks. And the best part about True Classic Tees, they're incredibly cheap, only $15, and now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. Ike, all the way back in 2003, the Steelers selected you in the fourth round with the 125th pick. What do you remember about that day? Oh, man, I was playing the PlayStation. You know, I was playing the PlayStation. Um, honestly, I was looking at going free agent. I really didn't know how to play cornerback for one year, but then I got that call. Matter of fact, I got that call from Washington. Washington Redskins, they said it was about to scoop me. So I'm like, oh, snap, Washington about to scoop me. I'm about to get drafted. And just out of the blue, um, Coach Kyle and, and Kevin Colbert, they hit me like, yeah, our pick is in. We about to get you. And I'm like, what you mean? How would you love to be a Pittsburgh Steeler? I'm like, ooh, tradition, <laughs> bad boys of the 70s. Yeah, coach, what you waiting on, man? Go ahead and put that pick in before you change your mind. <laughs> so 
they wind up scooping it, scooping me, and it's been, it's been crazy. It's been crazy ever since. So I really want to do it too much. I think I threw like a little get together the day before, just for so my family and friends can just like get together and see, you know. But honestly, I I was looking at free agency, you know, Mark. I I didn't know I was gonna get drafted. I wound up getting drafted, and you know, twelve years later, you know, yeah, I go talking to Mark, and we talking about. What was you doing for, you know, your draft? So it was easy for me. It was a blessing in disguise. Like, Pittsburgh is always home. You know, I just bought some land in Pittsburgh. So I still got a townhouse in Pittsburgh. So my son was born in Pittsburgh. It was just, like, always home. Like, I was a pallbearer for Mr. Rooney. You know, just think about that. Like, like that means a lot to me. Like, out of all the accomplishments I had, in Pittsburgh and winning Super Bowls and playing for 12 years, being a pallbearer for Mr. Rooney, you know, Dan Rooney RIP, that was a lot to me because just look at the history and the Hall of Fame guys who played for him, you know. for So for that family to call, for Mr. Art to call me, and as soon as Paul Rooney died, he was just like, Ike, and I, I had to finish the sentence off for him, like, yeah, I got it. He was like, how you know what I was about to say? I'm like, man, he was about to ask me to be a pallbearer for for your dad. He was like, yeah. I said, man, that's easy. That's easy. Then going to the funeral and just actually seeing everybody sitting behind me, they're like, dang, Papa Rooney really did mess with Ike. Like, he, like Ike is really a Rooney. Like, they used to call me a little Rooney, but, you know, you don't really know till somebody gone to really understand the relationship. Like, him and I really had a relationship, so. I'm like, damn, I'm sitting in front of all these Hall of Famers. That's how I'm looking at it. Like Hall of Famers, GMs, uh, other NFL owners, I'm sitting in front of them. Barack Obama, I'm sitting in front of them. Like I'm sitting in front of them with the family. So that city of Pittsburgh tatted on me. <laughs> That's how much I love that city. Like I, I got, I'm, I'm scarred forever for dealing with that city. That city bought me a lot of things in my life I would never have that city gave me a lot of experiences and my family and friends, which they never could believe. Like, that's just that city. So I can't say enough about that city. Like, I'm forever 412, and 412 is the area code. So that's just how it is, Mark. Like, they drafted me, but I didn't, know, I didn't know it would end like this. And it ended on a good note. You know, it, it ended on a note to seeing the owner, Mr. Rooney, just you know, he gave me the green light. And green light meaning him and Troy Palomalu, like, all the money in the world means nothing if you don't know what to do with it and if you just don't humble yourself. Like, I saw Paul Barone come every day in a Buick LeSabre. Like, dang, this dude's signing my check, but he put him up in the Buick. And he still got a briefcase since the 80s and the 90s. Like, I'm doing something wrong. So then you see Troy, he's just so humble. Troy still got the tennis shoes where he got the two straps, like... <laughs> Like, Troy, man, at least throw some converse, huh? So the city of Pittsburgh just surrounded me about around good, genuine people who I understood and realized now materialistic stuff meant nothing. That's that's why I am and who I am today, you know? And, it, and, and I got to tip my hat to that city of Pittsburgh. So I could have left, I could have left for a lot more money, Mark. I could have left. And that's coming from Coach Marv. I done, I done messed around and talked to Coach Marv Lewis, who was like, but Pittsburgh has you at a discount for a minute. 
I'm saying in my head like they probably did, but one thing I knew, and this is what Casey Hampton told me in my defensive tackle, like, when you sign with Pittsburgh, you sign up for life. As long as you don't do nothing stupid off the field, you, you sign for life. Like, you go somewhere else, you might make good money, you're going to go to a bad team. Like, if you get paid, you're going to go to a bad team, and you're going to wind up being a, a salary cap casualty because they're going to stay bad because they don't know what they're doing in the front office and the organization. And I thought about it. I said, damn, it's true. It's true. It's true. I'm going to get three years, but I know with Pittsburgh, man, 12 years, you know, 60-plus million dollars later, I'm I'm straight. I'm straight. So, is yeah, Mark, them, them drafting me has been a blessing in disguise. And I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think that family and that city know how they changed my life in a good way. And so why do you think that was as a fourth-round pick that – you know, when you're at Rooney's funeral, that you had that you were a pallbearer, that you were seated ahead of other prominent people. Why do you think it was that connection? Was it what was it about your relationship with the Rooney's, with the franchise? How did that? How did that happen? I don't know. I really couldn't. I, I really can't put a, a put a finger on it. It was just, and I call him Papa because it was you know, Dan Rooney. So it's I didn't I didn't ask him about football. I asked him about what what his day was like, what his family was like, how he feeling. Like, like Papa, man, you gotta stop wearing them high ass pants, man. We gotta get you a tailor to put them pants down. You gotta stop wearing them same penny loafers with some pennies in them. We gotta get you some new shoes. Like, you got too much money for that. And I, I think he took I think he took a liking to that. Like, okay, this dude. He ain't asking about football. Like he really, he really into me, and I was really into him. So, just like small stuff like that, detail stuff like that, and it, it just jumped off. Like I don't even know, Mark. I don't even know. It just jumped off like that. So, you know, and I just go see how he was doing. Like I go visit him every day to say just to say hi, you know. And then I know it meant something just coming from other guys, from free agent guys coming from other teams, like. Then on the door ain't never open. Like Papa Rooney door always open. Like you can just and then he just get the he just get the memorizing your wife and your kids and your girlfriend name and he gets supporting you. Like it was just a family orientated atmosphere. So it was easy for me. Like I posted I posted something one of my teammates posted earlier, you know, and it was like man just playing with Ike. Like Ike was always cool. Um, Ike always had laughter. Ike was always a workaholic. Ike always had crazy story. He just made coming to work easy. And that's what I wanted to do for my teammates. Like, I just wanted it easy for them. Like, when we talk about the locker room being a sanctuary, I wanted that locker room to really be a sanctuary for my teammates. Like, whatever they had going on outside that locker room, I wanted that to be invisible for them. You know? Like, I can't wait to get to this locker room. So... That was just me. Like, and I was always an unselfish dude. I think you kind of figured that out. Like, before me and you started, like, when we were just talking, I'm like, man, what we doing? You know, so that's just part of me. So that's how I was in Pittsburgh, though, Mark. So let me ask you this, and we'll, we'll end here. After you get the call from the Roonies, Kevin Colbert, Coach Cower, after you get the call, what happens after that phone call? What happens from there? No, I flew up, went to Pittsburgh, flew up, 
Everybody excited. Everybody saw it on TV floor to Pittsburgh. So they only had four or five. It was Troy Palomalu, Alonzo Jackson, me, Brian St. Pierre, JT Wall, fullback from Georgia. I remember that clearly. Brian St. Pierre went to Boston College. He was a he was a quarterback. So they drafted so many picks to get up and get Troy. We only had like five guys in that draft. I remember that clearly. So when I saw that, it was like, okay, we got five. All right. Then everybody and mama calling me. But um, I wasn't supposed to get drafted. That's how I look at it. But it was God's will. So free agent was – I just wanted to get in the dope. I didn't even care about getting drafted. I just wanted to get in the dope. So – but they let me in the dope, and I took off. Like, my mindset – it's whatever. Like, I feel like you put me anywhere in the world, I'm going to shine. I just got to figure it out. So, again, but you got to go through a lot of stuff, man. You know, you, between the fame and the money, I'm a generational change. I changed a lot for my family, financially, worldwide, and mentally. But for the most part, it came at a cost, MB. You know, you got to take a lot of losses to change, and they got to understand. So, they got to grow up just as well as you. So, man, I'm just fortunate, especially in times like these. Just very fortunate. So, for me, it's all time. It's all giving back time. So, like I said, we still on the 17, 18-man group, Zoom chat. Now, started with James Ferrier, and we're on the 17-man Zoom chat where all of us just chat and talk football. What do you guys <laughs> – what's been the big pay-per-view. debate with you guys right now? Pay-per-view. Pay-per-view. You got to pay. To, to get in this chat, hey, Mark, MB, to get in this chat, you got to pay for this chat. You got to pay. It, it's I'll be like the deep life. throat of the group. You won't know. I won't have the video. <laughs> well, it's live. It's live. <laughs> it's live. I'd imagine you're just there just listening and just I. I... No, I'm the go guy. Like, I ain't listening like they. Who's like the moderator? I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. All my teammates telling stories about when it was with Ike. Okay. I, Every I believe- last one of them was when I was with Ike. Every last one of them. Because you just don't know. You just don't. Man, I've been asked at least four or five times to have a reality show. A reality show, a bachelor show. When I was playing, I was asked for a reality or a bachelor show. I just declined. I'm like, I can't put my family through it. Like, I'm putting them through enough right now. I can't even, I can't, the world can't see what I'm doing. I hear that. So, hang on, you, Ike, you've got to give the listener something here with, with this, with this Zoom chat, though. I mean, it's, I understand you're trying to be a man of mystery, but give the listener something here. Man, I tell you what, with the Zoom chat and how we were talking, we'll have a billion followers each. <laughs> is that live? Easy, easy, easy. A billion. I ain't talking about a million. These dudes have it, they got, these dudes have it, they got it. One, two million, I'm talking, we have a billion. How we was living? Mark, a billion. Well, Ike, this was fun. Next week, the draft starting on April the 23rd, so we're just about a week away, and we'll go over our mock draft next week. If you want to become a presenting sponsor of the Believe in Steelers podcast, contact the Believe Podcast Network. And I just want to give a special shout out to the listeners and the sponsors of today's show as well. Please rate, review, and subscribe 
to the Believe in Steelers podcasts, and you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iHeart, and TuneIn. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe. Ike, I am absolutely psyched for next week's draft, and it's going to give us something to talk about with everything that's going on with the pandemic right now, too. So please stay safe to everyone out there, too. Hey, stay safe. Make sure y'all tune in to Mark and I. See y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.